0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to Sounds of Diaspora, where we explore the stories and experiences of different diaspora individuals through music, stories, and tales. So welcome back. We're glad to have you with us. Let's get into it. I just want to start by thanking everyone who's been a part of the Sounds of Diaspora journey. I started this podcast in my room in the midst of a pandemic, all cooped up, not knowing what the hell was going on. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk about music. And it started as a really personal project, and it's really exciting to see how far we've come. So now we've got all our social media stuff going on. We've been able to travel and see different places and talk to diaspora around the world. And exciting things are in store for Sounds of Diaspora. So watch this space as we go even further. To really capture the stories and experiences of the diaspora. Whether you've watched one episode, half an episode, clicked on a post, even blinked, even thought about the Name South Diaspora, thanks for being part of our community and please stay tuned as we continue to tell your stories. So in today's episode, we're exploring how black people are genreed thinking about the concept of genre who decides an artist genre is it the artist is it the consumer is it industry professionals is genre still a relevant concept right is it a topic that we still need to be talking about and thinking about or is it actually harmful or dangerous to artists um is the term outdated how does it disproportionately affect black people and how has it evolved over the years as globalization and urbanization and capitalism have evolved right so really thinking about You know why and how we class and categorize artists and the impact it has on their profession and their music. So a couple of things we'll look at include artists' own anecdotes from interviews and their experiences of being put within genre categories and how they found that um, experience. Also looking at award shows and how kind of institutions like the charts as well play a role in shaping what genre is. Um, Thinking about how genreing can affect artists differently depending on their background and race, and particularly how it can be weaponized um against black people to treat them as as monoliths. Um and yeah, just thinking about the wider industry, who are some stakeholders and game players who are involved in deciding what genre is, looking at the etymology and the history of the term. These discussions also open up the wider questions of how Can music even be categorised? How can something so fluid and dynamic be broken down into categories? How does that work? Can we really do that? So really think about the nature of music and the nature of categories in general and how they shift our perspectives in society and the way we experience things. What makes a song sound black? What makes a song urban? What does it mean to be urban? What does it mean to sound black? If any of these questions are questions that have ever been in your mind, you're in the right place. Let's start by unpacking this idea of genre and who decides it, so... As far as I'm concerned, the artist isn't really the main driving force in deciding the genre that they exist in, right? Genre is mostly determined by consumers, award shows, and charts. That's kind of where we see these terms brought up. So when you're saying what who's your favorite artist, what sort of genres do you like? Genre can be a really useful tool to, you know, find similarities between different artists and say you really like one artist that sounds a certain way, looking within that genre, you can kind of find and reach out to new music using that. So It can be useful in that sense. In terms of award shows, we see genres used to give artists their accolades and their appreciation. So you'll have groups categorized as best R&B, best hip hop, best whatever act. And I guess this helps with a sense of competition, knowing who you're up against in the industry who's similar to you. Also just practically awarding people and thinking about how we can make things fair rather than, you know, just the best artist. Um, And also just for the sake of comparison, right? Seeing where artists thrive, especially as artists are, they do genre bend even within their own genres or categories. I I do this with bunny ears that they're supposed to be aligned to. So you've got an artist like Scissor who made SOS recently and you've got songs like, you've got her one that she did with, I think Phoebe Bridges, Ghost in the Machine or something like that. I'd say that's punk rock I can't lie it. Like it's very like And I want it Cause I miss yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible Impression And that might have Even been the wrong song But like It gives punk rock It gives punk rock But then you've got She got smoking on your ex back is rapping is spitting bars And then you've got um, uh, forgiveless With Old Dirty Bastard With Rue Tang So even within one album You know Someone like SZA Who is an r and I, I think It's fair to say She's widely accepted As a you know A big figure In the R&B scene even within one album is genre bending and moving between genres and artists are dynamic and fluid music is dynamic and fluid. Maybe these, these categories are restrictive in really describing, right? What is a, what is a hip hop artist when, you know, we've got people like Jay-Z who's collaborated with Linkin Park, who we could argue is maybe a rock, rock and roll sort of artist. I don't know, but Linkin Park has done stuff with Kanye. So it's just like, where do we, how do we do this? What does, what is, it's not that make sense? Um, and then you've also got the charts. So, you know, charts are used as a way again to see how music is doing. You've got your usual charts of like just the best streams, but also you've got your, top 10 r&b your top 10 jazz so again genre can be good to to keep track of artist success again in a more categorical way but this is where we can sit and think about how useful these categories are right artists often lack control over how they're genreed. um it's usually decided by you know external people um in that same breath they can subvert you know, they can play on people's perceptions of what genre they should be. Lil Yachi is someone who's really good at this. But Lil Yachi um, is a rapper, you know, and maybe someone might argue he's in the genre of hip hop rap. But he does all sorts of things in his late... And that's... He's got a lot of criticism, actually, from being... Really going outside of this the typical sphere of what would be considered hip hop rap. If you think about, like, when he really blew with, I think... I spy to like some of the music he's making now is very, very different. And I think he's faced challenges as an artist trying to navigate where he fits within. Maybe he didn't face it. It's the way he's been received that has been the challenges. Um, But also he gets to subvert and play with like, this is what you expect to come from me. Nah, I'm gonna do this Even think about Lil Nas X As well as a black man Making like country music Going to pop Really interesting When artists subvert But they And they can also Capitalise on this as well But they can also Be restricted by labels So if we see like Doja Cat A lot of conflict Back and forth there Pop princess But you know She wants to do All that other stuff And between her label and between her consumers, all of these stakeholders play a part really in the music that especially artists are able to make, particularly when they're under a label and they're not independent. So drama is really important to think about and really plays a role in power dynamics as well, because it is really not artist led. Um, it is to some extent, you know, they decide the music they make, but there's, it's where there's a lot of pull from the public and a pull from, from the industries to, to enforce and to dictate what music is made. Carrying on that note, genre can be used as a weapon. It can be weaponized against black people to treat them as monoliths. And we see an example of this happen um, when we look at a really influential figure in the black music industry Kamali Scott so she's an A&R for those who don't know A&R stands for artists and repertoire and these are individuals who work between artists and labels as a middleman facilitating making sure that artists are being represented in the music they're trying to create and also communicating back the more logistical sides from the from the label and keeping that harmony keeping that peace they do a lot and I encountered Kamali Scott at an Amazon music event she was on a panel and she was speaking about her history, her experience as an a and And she's a big part of the founding of the Black Music Coalition, a coalition that exists to uplift and empower black people within the music industry, creating a supportive network, um, information opportunities, just really creating um, a, a community and safe space where... You know, people are underrepresented in, in these spaces. And one thing that they did that was really influential was remove the word, the use of the word urban in these AR spaces, right? Because what does urban mean? What does urban even mean? If we take it at face value. Urban is about city. It's about the city, right? But what does urban mean used as in society? Well, it's black people, right? We think urban music, we think black music. Someone might describe Thames, J. Cole and J. Huss as urban. They ain't got nothing in common, Except that they're black. Let's be real. They're from three different countries. They've got different styles of music, but, you know, a lot of black artists will be just put under that monolith of urban, which under, under acknowledges and underscores their significant creative differences, different styles and different influences. And really this label is just based on skin color rather than actual talent and music. So Kamali Scott did something really incredible by changing the way we um, genre Black artists and really bringing up those conversations that aren't always um, acknowledged. And we've seen artists speak about their experience of this which we'll talk about a bit later in this episode but I just want to reflect on etymology and thinking about categorization and thinking about it's use more widely in society so beyond just the music space right we talk about music being really fluid and really dynamic and artists being dynamic and these categories restricting them and it can be really useful on a pragmatic level like I said with award shows and stuff but we can kind of think about how how useful is it in society in general to have these strict categories how restrictive is it to people's identity and who they are if anyone listened to uh, episode two about my time in Sevilla you'd hear my anecdote about um, the presence of they or the non-presence of they in, in Spanish and how that affected non-binary queer community how the semantics really had a big effect on interactions between different members of the community and how semantics semantics being meaning can really make a big difference right calling somebody a hip hop artist, calling someone an r and artist, even thinking about what does r and mean? And that's what we're going to go into, the history of genre. R&B stands for rhythm and blues. R&B 10 years ago, five years ago, didn't look anything like it looks now. Our definitions of these genres change. A genre is dynamic. It's also not fixed. So when we're looking across um, political context, when we're looking across time, these things are constantly changing. So it's important to keep having these conversations and think about, is the term genre outdated? How is it adapting? What is the history? Where did genre start? Where did, where did we begin? You know, and I'm, I'm going to be a little controversial and say there is no music. Music without black people. Let me just let me just say it again to really be controversial with chess. There is no good music without black people, period. So for this next part of the episode, we're gonna look into the history of genre, how black people really were instrumental in being the foundations of a lot of the popular genres we see today. Um, of course, there's discourse, and I'm always open to discourse. Me, I do my research, but I'm I'm often wrong. So feel free to challenge me. Feel free, very much feel free. Send me articles. I want to know more. But following my experiences my research a lot of the untold stories of how black people are behind a lot of the biggest genres that we see today so let's get into it Over the years, Black people have had a really diverse and integral impact on the creation of a lot of big musical genres. So if we look at country music, with like hillbilly music combined with folk songs, this came from African immigrants from the British Isles in the 18th to 19th century. And Southern Black people invented the banjo and the fiddle. We saw the Ford Bailey become the first person to be introduced into the Grand Ole Opry, a really significant country music Concert And he was their First ever performer And first ever person To have his music Recorded in Nashville He was the first ever African American Star of music But nobody knows Who he is Maybe not nobody But not commonly but rock and roll We've had Rock and roll has heavy influences from R&B from the Deep South. So sister Rosetta Farp was a guitarist who crossed over from gospel music to the sound of rhythm and blues and is looked at, looked as a precursor to rock and roll. Her sound influenced early rock and roll with musicians such as Lil Richard, Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley. So they wouldn't exist without these influences. We look at house music and the black, a really significant figure being a black DJ named Frankie Knuckles. He's a queer American DJ, also a record producer and remixer. And he played a really important role in popularizing and developing house music in its origins in Chicago. Chi-town. In the late seventies, he remixed disco music into early house music through innovation and development of the genre. He's really considered the godfather of house music. And during the time he played at a club called The Warehouse a members club only for black gay men a really really liminal space really beautiful space um, and his so he started in this black um, male gay club and this became so so popular it started drawing more attention in white straighter crowds and then as the story goes, picking up by more people to revolutionise house music. If we look at techno, it's kind of seen as like an upbeat, fast-paced European club music. However, a lot of the beats from techno music were created in the black community, specifically in Detroit. So in the 80s, DJ Robert Hood Thought of as the originator of techno music, used a comp- combination of gospel, disco, funk, and funk music, and blended these together to create the sounds of techno as we know it today. You can't have this conversation without my love, my life, jazz. So, in the 19th century, local brass bands in New Orleans, shout out New Orleans, became really popular, and this marked the beginning of the jazz we love today. And jazz is really characterized by its roots in the genre of blues, where tempo of blues were turned into rhythmic, upbeat tunes. And And in 1915, African-American ragtime and jazz pianist Jelly Roll Morton created one of the first ever published jazz compositions, Jelly Roll Blues. And although this is one of the earliest known jazz songs And considered to be the first jazz recording um, It's actually What's really considered now in popular culture To be the first jazz recording Comes from the all-white band Original Dixieland Jazz Band 1917 um, But we saw with Jelly Roll Morton This was already existing in 1915 It just wasn't um, recorded And it was plagiarised And this song that was considered um, The first jazz song by this all-white band was actually plagiarized from african-american musicians from their song um, livery stable blues which sold over a million records so the early origins of jazz shows again how the industry commercializes off black musicians and gives their white counterparts the credit shock shock are we shocked no <laughs> So I got a few things to get off my chest (laughs) Following this awards season And the timing couldn't really be better Could it? Talking about genre Awards, fans, who's in control Of the uh, music artists make A lot is to be said This January, February Where we've just had the Grammys We've just had the Mobos And we've really seen the award show's effect on how we group and label artists so I'm gonna start with the Grammys so Grammys took place on the 4th of Feb Sunday so a couple days ago and it was the 66th official Grammy Awards and it was a special um, award kind of night so we had the first Afrobeats performance ever which is kind of crazy but that was by Burner Boy at the Grammys and he did his performance they brought out Brandy for sitting on top of the world also 21 Savage not gonna I, obviously, it was really great to see, you know, Afrobeats be platformed in a way that really matches the exposure and the impact it's had over the last couple of years. I will say that the Sitting on Top of the World performance was a little bit messy. I just think there was a lot going on. But that's kind of more personal preference. And I kind of wish they would have like it is cool to okay, Brandy 21 Savage show that collaboration and and like you know, really big artists. But at the same time, it would be nice to just kind of strip it back to that more authentic Afrobeats. He did bring in a lot of visuals that were quite African in the sense of like Nigerian dan- like dancers. And I think there was some talking drums out there. But yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like why, it's just like when I saw an, a notification about, oh, uh, is it Rishi Sunak or Labour talking about they're finally going to do like pay equality for BAME? Side eye to BAME, but for BAME people, and it's like, am I supposed to be happy about this? Like, or, or should I be shocked that it wasn't already a thing? And it's kind of a similar sentiment with, um, that, uh, not David. oh my god, Burner Boy. But at the same time, that's a bit pessimistic, and we do need to kind of uplift and appreciate the amazing year that Burner Boy's had and the honor he's had to perform, to be the first African artist to perform at the Grammy. So, big up him. I guess And um, Thinking back to Kind of categories So obviously we've got uh, Album of the year We've got Brand new artists I, Me and Me and um, New artists We have beef I don't think it's just me actually I think everyone is acknowledged At this point That um, New artists Or what is it Upcoming What is it New artists um, Is a, kind of a ridiculous category It's never somebody new So Victoria Monet Did amazing She won I think Three Grammys this year She got new artists um, And And You know Victoria Monet Her speech was really beautiful It was about Planting seeds And nurturing them Until they grow And she's been in this industry For maybe what 15 years Whether that's writing For other major artists Creating her own music On the low Doing her own thing And it's only now She's been appreciated So for me That category of like New artists Is kind of insulting In a way Because it's like You know What about all of this All of this I've been doing All of this grinding But I think as well I'm sure and I'm sure she's very happy in, from her speech to be acknowledged. And and it is a big breakthrough, but maybe rethinking, like, how do we determine what makes an artist new? But Yeah, I mean, moving back to kind of thinking about genre in particular, um, we had. A, so for best pop duo group performance, uh, SZA won with Phoebe Bridges for Ghost in the Machine. And it's really interesting. I think I mentioned it earlier about. Scissor, I think a lot of people would think of her as an R&B artist, but SOS was really cool and it really was genre-bending. You had very poppy and, you know, to the point where it's won a Grammy. Um, does this make SZA a pop artist? I mean, and also is this kind of fair in a sense? Like some of the other nominees were Taylor Swift. I mean, she won their album, so I don't think she can be too pressed. Lana Del Rey, Miley Cyrus, who also won her first Grammy this year. But it's like, it's kind of interesting that, Um, she won that above artists that we'd actually consider to be pop but then there's also the idea that it's best pop performance Um, so it's for that specific performance so that's also kind of interesting how maybe by taking performances and using those specific instances rather than classing the artist as a whole as a reflection of one particular performance that's where we can start to like acknowledge artists stepping out of their particular zones or fields or genres that being said Sizzle does kind of cross that boundary of pop, um, or does she? I don't know, it depends if we're going by the sound or just by the consumability, I don't even know if consumability is a word, but you know, pop music, a big part of pop music other than the sound for me is just that, like, I mean, it's popular, it's literally in the name though, so that, you know, really consumable by people across different backgrounds who have different tastes, it's just kind of, you know, popular, um, But in in that sense That gets really Really confusing Right Because then, if we talk About what's popular You could have a really Popular rap song Does that make it pop I don't know I don't know Is pop better defined By its sound Or by its popularity I don't know Because then in that case What's the point Of album of the year Or artist of the year Because that is Really measuring or is it really measuring what's popular? And this is where things get real techy, because it's like um, the Grammys are selected by a board of people. You can't Google the name of these people. You can't find out who these people are, which is quite interesting, right? Who are these people actually deciding? We don't really get an insight into that. How are these people selected? You know, who is choosing album of the year? So let's unpack the process a little bit. So it comes at the time in the year where the Grammys are coming up and there is this kind of local kind of academy voters. So again, this, this mysterious group. And um there, people who are members, also people involved in making records, are allowed to submit possible nominations. So there's hundreds of thousands of nominations um, or songs for each category. And you've got your first round of voting for anyone who's a member, and then you can vote for a couple of entries, and then there's a couple hundred categories you choose the areas you most want to vote on. And then you've got, um, from that vote comes nominations. Again, there's another round of voting only between entries that were nominated and that's just majority vote. And then, um, everyone's allowed to vote on the most general categories. So like best song, best album, new artist, but for specialized categories, um, they kind of like, so if somebody in the academy is a classical pianist, for example, they might a vote, choose to vote on classical musical categories. So then you actually choose to vote on the categories that you're matched to, and then there's a separate voting process for producers and engineers, and that's kind of got to do with equipment, so like best sounds and stuff. Um, it's a bit complicated. So there's a lot of different committees and kind of like different people involved, but new categories get added as well, which I'm sure complicates the process. So going through this process, it is quite complicated. And I don't know how fair it is in terms of like, you know, how does one become an Academy member even? But what I'm really trying to show is that these Grammy votes aren't actually the product of public opinion. You know, if somebody goes doesn't really do any research into Grammys. It's like, oh, how can how can this Grammy lose? Like it was the best. Everyone was streaming it, but it's not about the people. This isn't. It's different from a lot of different or some other award shows where it's the people's choice. This isn't a people's choice. This is the this is the Academy. This is the industry's choice. So it's a really different um, standard we're holding artists to for the Grammys. It's actually artists among artists and musicians among musicians which is kind of interesting because, you know, everyone's got different tastes as musicians. People have different kind of genres. I don't know if there will ever really be a fair system to um, investigate music because of its subjectivity. But yeah, it does open a lot of implications for categorism. Just to end on the Grammys before going over to the Mobos, um, my next bone to pick is with the categories, right? So we're going from best metal performance, best rock song, um, best like dance electric To like You know R&B Best rap performance And then we have Best rap album This is where There was a lot Of um, controversy And for this for best rap album, bear in mind the album has to contain more than 75% playing time of new rap recordings. That's kind of interesting to think about these bits. So same with Best Spoken Word album, it has to have 50%. So there's actually um criteria that needs to be met, which is kind of fair. Because you have a rap album that's like 60% singing, I can imagine the controversy. So this year it was her loss, Drake, 21 Savage, up against Killer Mike, Michael, self-named. Heroes and Villains, Metro Boomin, Kings of Disease 3, Nas, Utopia, Travis Scott and Killer Mike won. And it's quite interesting because like I wasn't really tapped into Killer Mike before the Grammys. And obviously when somebody wins best rap album, I'm like, oh, I'm intrigued. Like what's going on? Really great album, in my opinion. Really, really great album. Feature heavy, which some people might have an issue with. I really enjoyed the way features were used. I don't think features have to particularly make your, you know, make it less good. Um... Maybe it's like Maybe it's less of your own work So that could be an argument But I really liked it Um, I don't think it was as popularised You know As the other albums Because one thing about Killer Mike He's kind of your rapper's favourite rap Rapper, maybe you're not your rapper's favorite rapper, but he's a rapper that is really respected more within the rap community. So he came up under Big Boy Andre 3000, signed to Big Boy's label, had outcast kind of as mentors. um, Loads of activism in his background and his past, which I really I love when artists can combine their activism and their music. So that was really amazing to see, but not really as well known, not really as popular as you know Travis Scott. He's got his his bloody minions, his army. (laughs) And um, not to be a Travis Scott hater, you know, I actually like Travis Scott's, some of his music, but it's quite formulaic for me. And that doesn't mean it's not good. It just gets, it's just not, yeah, I'm not, not the biggest fan. Uh, Metro Boomin, I really liked Heroes and Villains. I thought that was a great album, a lot of impact as well. And if it wasn't going to be Killer Mike, I would have gone for that one. And I think a lot of people were like, it should have been Utopia, it should have been that one. Um, Nas is great. I think the thing with Nas is he doesn't often get the he's so consistent man he's been dropping music for years and years and years so i just feel like when someone's that great unless they're beyonce sometimes people forget to give them their flowers because like we know you're great like but that's just an opinion once again and then we've got her last Drake 21 savage it was a decent album i guess it was (laughs) i in my opinion Moving back over to the UK, we've had a uh, MOBO Awards hosted in Sheffield, which was really, really cool. Big up the Midlands, big up the North. And some of the winners were Best Grime Act, Bugsy Malone. Uh, Best Drill Act, K-Trap, Best International, Drake, 21 Savage. Best Performance, and Idris and Snowfall. Very, very deserved to be fair. Shits and Gigs got Best Media Personality, which I think was well deserved. Asha K for Best African Music Artist. We've got Ezra Collective, Best Jazz Act, which was really cool. Shiger, one electronic dance sugar babes got the impact award and um, get got the pioneer award which was really cool we had some other um nominees and kind of um little sims narc central c as well so this uh was the 26th mobo awards and i think we celebrated 30 years of grime if i'm correct so it was really cool to see Kind of get uh, Take that Pioneer Award And really talk about The beginnings of being You know, an artist coming up Particularly um, Like in a time where There wasn't TikTok Like you had to have uh, Relationships with radio stations That would play you Underground stations And and different kind of music communities uh, whether that's like Link Up TV, Channel AK uh, rep- um, Different radio stations That would just be there and really build that artist come up. And that's how music was distributed really differently, particularly black music, which wasn't mainstream at a time when Gets was coming up. So really cool to hear his words. For best male act, we had Central C. For best female act, we had Ray, big up Ray. Um, and similarly to the Grammys, the winners were decided by a judging panel of specialist committee. Um, and... Again, same kind of, I guess, criticisms or questions about who are these people? How are they decided? And, you know, there's music of black origin. So I'm really interested to think, of, are they black? <laughs> like, um, and yeah, I guess as well with some of the winners, right? like Central C, music of black origin is really, 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 really something to unpack. Because what does that mean? Like, I guess it doesn't mean by black people. Per se Because I think Pot of paper one uh, Album of the year Or rap um, Rapper of the year Which is not Like definitely Great pot of paper Great music But What makes His music of black origin Is it because Rap comes from black people Is it Because of the things he rap about Like Let's 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 unpack this When we're talking About black And putting a label on it And attaching it to music We really need to think about what, what does that mean? Because black is like black is even subjective in itself. There's black music, is black origin music made by black people? Or clearly we've thrown that out the window. So is it about the history of the genre? But then isn't all music music of black origin? So what's the point of the MOBO Awards? You know, there's just a lot, there's a lot to be said. But that being said, with all of this cynicism, this criticism, these, these explorations, I do think award shows are really important honoring artists making them feel seen making them feel heard making them feel appreciated when you're grinding and grinding and working hard you don't often always get your accolades and it is really important to honor artists and make them have these moments you know get support mum and dad on stage and it is just really beautiful to to have that so I'll take a pause on that and go back to thinking about more genre in particular specifically So just to end off on our talk and discussion about the Grammys I just really wanted to hone in on the idea of the recent introduction of the Afrobeat category only coming this year in 2024 where the Grammy decided to feature three new categories including best African performance to kind of in their words reflects the popularity of Afrobeats around the world a popularity that has existed for a while but is only really Gaining and going forward in its recognition as years come I remember when I really felt the impact of Afrobeats in the UK for the first time So when I was in primary school And it was like the whole era of Antena, Azonto So big up Ghana to be fair um, And that was like for me when I felt mainstream non-African people Accept and really enjoy On the, on a wild scale Then we had like Tina Obviously before that We had the classic like You know Paco-Rumo, um, You know Two Face, P-Square But like I'm talking When it became more Recognised by everyone And obviously The trajectory sinks Has been insane You know Bernard has performed In insane locations That just haven't existed For Afrobeats Artists in the past um, But it is kind of like why so late, you know? And they say that these changes reflect our commitment to actively listening and responding to feedback for our music community to accurately represent a diverse range of relevant musical genres and stay aligned with the ever-evolving musical landscape. That's what the recording, uh, the recording Academy CEO Harvey Mason Jr. said. So I mean it's good that this recognition is happening and maybe this encourages us as consumers to speak up about what we need and show the demand because like I've been saying we kind of run, you know, what we get in music we have a lot of control of but, but by choosing to stream and by by choosing to listen and choosing to download that's already you know a rs musicians have to operate in response to our opinions so it is important to make your voice heard whether that's your tweeting, your little twitter warrior about you know fuck this person for winning the grammy you know maybe not be a hater but sometimes be a hater or it's um the opposite it's you know just buying an album I don't really know who buys music nowadays but I do be paying for spotify so I guess same same artists are getting paid um So between Burner Boy, Whiskey and Thames, uh, each of them have garnered Grammy nominations, usually in the global field. And similar changes have happened in the UK's official charts company, which um, recently launched in 2020 an Afrobeat singles chart, which Billboard debuted as a US Afrobeats-based kind of chart, adding to the growth of the genre of Africa and the diaspora. But again, 2020, it's a bit bit late. I don't know why it's taken so long. Well, I do know why. (laughs) Um... I can think about the reasons that's driven, you know, globalization, COVID was, in my opinion, a big driver because I think it gave people a lot more time to consume music, um, outside of their, you know, particular genres or things that they fancy and, you know, time to be on the internet. I mean, COVID drove rapid growth in a lot of areas, whether that's technology or the way we work, um, making things, pushing artists to be more flexible. We can talk about, TikTok and during COVID And people going viral And that being a real time For people to consume And art is blowing up And having the time Actually to Having the time To actually produce their art So Really it's always working With the global forces Music So it's always interesting I love how it kind of Links Some questions I can't help But ask are You know How are new categories Added to award shows We've seen You know The, the explanation behind The Afrobeat singles chart And the You know Afrobeats categories And African best performance And that's amazing But that only makes me think of all of the other groups That aren't acknowledged We've seen a massive, massive boom In Latin music, you know Spanish music, and I think They are still in a similar place Of starting to be acknowledged in Within their own right, but there is so much Music out there, you know I want to see what's going on in Hawaiian, But we have to also think about Logistically, we can't just have best Award in every country, or can we I mean, that would be a long ceremony, it'd be eurovision on crack but yeah i mean how do we label and group artists i guess that's what really it comes back to is it useful to group artists by where they come from i mean even just afrobeats as a genre as well it's there's something unique about afrobeats that's different to something like rock because afrobeats even within the name inherently it is tied to culture to africa and that's why when you look at the music And think about If somebody who is an African Makes an Afrobeat song Which happens It does happen um, What does that mean? Again Picking apart these genres Picking apart these semantics Whereas you've got something like rock You've got something like Even I mean Hip hop and jazz are arguable Because I do believe They're inherently black music But like If we think You know Different to That's race As as opposed to You know A heritage Or particular place Anyway it's, it's kind of confusing And I don't know If anyone really has The answer to these questions Even thinking about Afrobeats Versus Afrofusion I've seen um, A lot What I've seen In my experience Is that songs That are called Afrofusion Are usually Songs by diaspora artists So like Black people in the UK Africans in the UK the, By the likes of Black Jay Haas Kojo fans Not me naming the ops Right next to each other <laughs> um, Not my ops Each other's ops um, So is that like Is it fusion Because it's not you know, these people don't live in Africa But then also, I do also see The impact of, like, different cultures Like, it being driven by the music So, Kojo Funds Jay there's they have Afrobeats Within their music, but it's also got grime Influences, it's also got even hip-hop Influences, so I think it's complicated but it is really interesting to think about and it brings me to the MOBO awards and how their place in this whole thing right and are they good for black music so how did the MOBO awards start where where did this whole idea come from well The MOBO Awards were established in 1996 and they were created by Black people for Black people. And MOBO stands for Music of Black Origin. So following a history of Black people figuring out how to exist in the mainstream, MOBO challenged the kind of reconfiguration of taking up space and created a new space. And this industry or organization was founded by Kanye King. And the first MOBO Award was presented to Baby D in the Best Dance Act category. So... The MOBO also did this kind of thing on the side, MOBO Unsung, which is like a talent competition for unsigned artists and showcasing them. So they were really able to put people on. They had finalists who were narrowed down. There was a winner who was able to kind of get connections within the industry. So not only is it a but it's actually, you know, as an as a organization really helping support artists. Um, but the MOBOs have been criticized for becoming kind of orientated, orientated towards oriented, orientated, oriented towards commercial urban music and giving nominations to musicians that are not black. So many things to unpack here. I mean, urban music, we've already, you know, what does that even mean? So I'm, I'm just going to throw that term out for a second because I don't even know what that is. Also urban. urban is a city. Urban is a, a subculture, but it often gets used interchangeably with black and it's just problematic but in terms of you know them giving awards to artists that aren't black it's a bit sticky because it's in your name like i don't think yeah i don't particularly think for example hip-hop music can't be made by white people or non-black people i think it's a sound that is black and it originates that but it can be made by anyone right but When you say music of black origin, it's like, it's in your name. (laughs) It's actually in your name. And it's a bit sticky. Like if they picked any other name, maybe I could even argue the other side, but babes music of black origin. So it gets a bit techie. And in 2003, there was a boycott after Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera won the best R&B act and best video. Yeah. We can see why this can be problematic in a climate where artists, you know, non-black artists Whether that's music, whether that's dance, we've seen it in TikTok. Black artists are copied and used as a Pinterest board almost. And their art is taken and adapted and often they don't get the recognition for it. the original creators. I'm not at anyone. I'm just stating this is something that happens. Throughout a lot of black culture It's like when When someone does it When a black person does it It's It's lame And then when a non-black person does it They've just discovered something crazy So I can understand the outrage I can absolutely understand the outrage does that not? Does that mean that Justin Timberlake, for example Hasn't had a really, you know, a sizable impact In the kind of R&B, black music industry I would say he has I, I bought with a lot of his songs He's taken inspiration um, And music can have inspiration I mean, he made Senorita Again, that song kind of slaps But obviously that's got Spanish um, in, inspiration into it I guess the real issue is about the accolades And why they're not matching up for the counterparts At least for me um, but The Independent described the win as A white appropriation of Black music Which sums up kind of what I just said And a MOBO sp- spokesperson Defended their presence stating that the awards were designed To honour achievements in music of Black origin Regardless of the ethnicity of their performance Talking about the increasingly Worldwide growth of again this word Urban music at the time So again I think this this really highlights this kind of Discourse and this back and forth Between Black urban music genre people music it's it's hard you can't really take the people out of the music and that's what makes it really complicated because music is such a personal thing where people pour in their experiences and something such such a poignant poignant is that how you say it experience of being like race being black experiencing that that is heavy like that isn't I was reading this book while speaking to actually um someone about this idea of being racialized and how white people don't feel racialized like White people aren't really aware. They don't go about every day and feel like, I'm white, I'm white, I'm white. It's not really something they think about or need to think about because society doesn't racialize them. Black people, everything we do is racialized. And I'm telling you this year, everywhere I go, when, why is it when I talk to certain people, it's like, we cannot get 10 seconds into a conversation without bringing up the fact that I am black. It is comical. It's comical. So I think that's why for black people in particular, having all that emotion, that weight, that like, you know, them behind their identity, it can be extra, you know, hard and sinister when that's taken out of musical, you know, not, not really appreciated properly. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, in 2020, English rock duo Nova Twins wrote an open letter on Twitter addressed to Mobo's concerning the lack of a rock alternative category. And this brings up a really interesting point about, you know, within black music, black culture, what are we saying is normal and what are we saying isn't? Like, why can't we have dimensions? Me, I had my emo phase. I say it loud and proud and it gave me character. I can appreciate music from a wide range of genres. I love jazz. I do love classical music. I played a bit of Spanish classical guitar growing up, so... I've got that connection there, you know. I even love me some country. I think there's something about Nigerians and country music. I'm telling you, there is something there because all the elder Nigerians in my family, that like mum, dad, had this weird thing with country music, reggae too. The reggae one makes sense, but you know, I can appreciate um, a wide mix. And I don't think black people should be limited to music that is deemed again just to be black, especially when we've we've seen and historically, even rock music, there's black roots in there. Um, And alternative as a category is a bit complicated Because it's just like alternative to what? I'm not even going to go into that one Because that's just going to go be a tangent But um, they wrote that open letter saying There was a lack of POC uh, representation in rock music And hoping that it would be added And an award was added next year in 2021 Recognizing the genre So this just adds to show that like When you advocate for something in music People's voices can make a difference And they can make a change Um, That's why it's important to talk about these things And yeah, really, really great to see development and some award shows taking on feedback. But at the same time, I do worry and wonder if the whole format needs to be completely um, rejigged and re-thought about. But I don't know. I don't know. I want to share a quote from... DJ Steve Sutherland, who was a free time MOBO award winning DJ, who is, sorry, he's still here, he's still here. And he says, I was a small time DJ before I won a MOBO award. It was breathtaking. I got a phone call from Trevor Nelson who said, once you win it, it can either make things better for you or worse for you, but it worked in my favor. I'm on a bigger national radio station. I'm seen as a tastemaker in this musical genre. It's done a good thing for me. There are certain people that are against the event and tarnish its name all the time, but this is commercial world. I do have to respect that, you know, the impact that awards like this can do for artists. I'll never forget Stormzy. Um, I can't remember the beginning of the bar because it's like he's, clown, he's saying that people are trying to clown him for being gassed at the Mobo Awards. But he was like, I was gassed at the Mobo Awards because I ain't won a Mobo Award. It's like big, big stormsy now. Like that, you know, that for him was a big moment. You know, Lil Sims, seeing her win her Mobo, like just. And even seeing this year, like seeing Getz, seeing Potter, you know, still happy to be recognized by their community. It is good to, you know, what's the word? One of these artists, especially in a community setting where particularly we're not, it's not othering. It's not like, oh, it's the Grammys and this is the black section. Not the black section, you know what I mean? Rather, it's centred in the centre of the narrative, um, which is really, 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 really great. I will say that was, um, there has we have seen like, again, how commercial capitalism sorry I, I swear to you someone needs to put a count of how many times i bring up capitalism in these podcasts i really want to know <laughs> but um in the third so from the first year obviously really really great putting with artists but then we started to see things kind of get blurry by the third year there were bigger sponsors and it became clear that the event was kind of steering away from rewarding music of black origin one example arguably is when steve jackson won best dj award even though he has pretty much at the time had not much to do with back genre by the fourth year American artists started to dominate so there it's like it's getting a bit removed from the black UK culture which is where this should have grown but you know what nobody's perfect and I do really appreciate you know this isn't a bash on the mobos this is kind of offering the sides and the experiences and um and criticism of how things could change and be restructured but you know there wasn't before the mobo wars there wasn't anything or at least on the scale like this creating these spaces so somebody's got to start it and then it's our job as a community to refine it and make it better and more suited so that we all benefit from it so finally i just want to talk about r and a little bit and thinking about some artists you know who've shared their experiences with Um, Maria the Scientist being one so she said she was fed up of being categorised as an R&B artist and black artists are often pigeonholed regardless of sound. This happens particularly to black women and I can really agree with that Um, you know black women we often face really intersectional issues of gender and race which is just like double homicide (laughs) and don't get me started for the black queer woman girl triple homicide but you know often these are also women creating like the most incredible pieces of work shout out victoria monet she did her thing she did the thing amazing amazing recognition after years of hustling um, you know but maria the scientist in a complex interview said anybody that sings and is black or they think you're black they put you in the category of she makes r&b um, but she says But if Lana Del Rey Is about Heartbreak Why is her album Categorised as alternative But I put out music And it's ultimately R&B What if it's none of those And that's really interesting You know She talks about Not particularly Fitting within one of these genres And sitting at that intersection And that's her self categorization of her music She the one being Who's created the music So it's like again Who decides Is it up to her She said she prefers A and B Alternative and blues I kind of like that though And it does bring me back To my earlier Slight tangent about Alternative Because it's like Alternative to what And it often We use our subconscious biases Because it does become A race thing Thames is a similar thing With like the music she makes and people saying it's Afrobeats but actually it's very different from the classic Burner with Kid what we see is Afrobeats coming from that kind of fellow cootie having a very particular sound behind it Thames makes I don't want to her. I if it was up to me I'd say I don't even know if it's r and I don't even know Afro R&B and there's a bit of gospel in there Afro fusion R&B that's probably how I would dis- dis- say it but like I don't know then we've got like Charles Gambino, right? He's, ugh, oh, I love him. He's he's beyond genre. He is one of those artists that I really feel has created his own genre. Frank Ocean is another great example. He does sit within RB, but at the same time, it's like he's Frank Ocean he's the father like he's got his kids like Steve Lacey big up Steve Lacey I respect him but like and musically everything Steve Lacey does is amazing like his iPhone his whole production element yes chef's kiss but like I think Frank Ocean is that genre it is a genre within itself Um, then we've got like FK Twigs again pushing the genre barriers Willow Smith dropping from whip your hair to wait a minute To like the rock stuff, to the Pink Panther's collab, it's like yeah, Pink Panther's is another great example. Um, No, actually no, she's very clearly like quite housey. I don't know, I don't. They're gonna come for me, the the DMB house people, because I don't, I don't know. I'm not as great with distinguishing those genres. I call Pink Panther's. Um, but yeah, strands is another good one as like R&B in the UK and how that doesn't really get the recognition. I think I'm going to save a whole episode for that because there's a lot to unpack. But yeah, that was kind of a discussion of black people being genre. And I just want to come back to the key questions that I think all of these things have raised, which are who decides an artist genre? Is it the consumer? Is it the artist? Is it the industry professionals? Is the term genre outdated? Do we still need to think of things in terms of genre? Are there new ways to class artists or do we even need to class artists and does this categorization disproportionately affect black people Um, how have genres evolved how have they changed over time what are the elements that have interacted with this and is genre used as a weapon to treat black people as monoliths I don't know. Let me know what you think. I love it when you guys interact, give me your thoughts, give me your feelings, challenge me. There's always some hot takes when you got when you got someone talking about music, so <laughs> I'm ready to be challenged. And I just want to thank everyone for the really positive feedback and interactions with the last show and the Instagram. We really, really appreciate you over here at Sounds of Diaspora, and we envision this as a community that is just growing, and a space for people who love to talk and think about music culture and diaspora. So, do stay tuned, keep up you can find us on instagram at sans diaspora with two a's and on spotify sans diaspora we have a playlist for every episode including one for this episode with some of the artists i've talked about and included and in some of the kind of genres mentioned and yeah check out our instagram for our cultural archive series where we explore uh, marginalized countries and communities and look at their diaspora and the music they're producing and just keep your eyes peeled because good things are coming exciting things are coming okay until next time